Hello and welcome. You're watching The Big Fight, a show that is young at 23, the oldest running debate show on Indian news television. I'm Sanket Upadhyay. This whole week was the budget week. Budget 2023 is here. And the forecast and the prediction, particularly within the Bharatiya Janata Party is that this will propel them into an election year. So budget 2023 will have its impact in election 2024. will that happen or not or has that been a prime consideration when this budget was drafted or made look at the capital expenditures it has been increased it is also being said that the new tax regime is going to swing things in favor of the bjp officially if you speak to them they will say don't look at these things with the prism of elections there are two totally different things there is another major concern at a time when there are global recession fears can this budget help india stay afloat and perhaps also be a shining star how is this budget being politically perceived let's begin the political discussion first i have with me in the studio shama mohammed of the congress party thank you very much for joining us i think this is the first time you're coming here post uh, the corona virus correct, yes correct. welcome welcome thank to you, the studio Uh, Rajat Sethi is also here, political analyst uh, and also an economist. And uh, in full disclosure, I must say that your views tend to lean towards the government. Yep. Right? Okay. Uh, we also have Riju Datta. He is the spokesperson of the Trinamool Congress. He is joining us from Kolkata. Thank you very much. I want to start by asking you, Rajat Sethi, what do you think works in this budget? I think uh, the biggest message of this budget is continuity. Uh, led by the prime minister's vision that uh, you know elections will come and go uh, budget shouldn't be determined by elections and this tendency of the politicians to always look for revenue expenditure right before the budget have this revery economic spread money throw money around instead of investing on the foundations of our uh, of our growth that has been shunned away with continuity is the message building the future laying the foundations for the future of the country has been the message and i think going forward we will see spur in growth in in jobs as well we will see a focus on futuristic uh, sectors like it and uh, artificial intelligence and iot and all of those sectors and also the startup sector which will get continue to getting uh, continue to get support from the government that is needed mm. along with that the middle class which was which had its own set of issues for the past few years not getting any uh, changes in the in the tax lap structure that also has been tinkered now to their advantage mm. so all in all well balanced essentially budgeting is a zero sum game mm. some sectors will gain and some will lose it's the art with which you balance this budget mm. is uh, what will give you good marks and and revise it uh, considering oh, the requirement I mean, as a household if we uh, define budgets for our household expenditure mm. also mm. we keep changing it depending on any outlier event mm. tomorrow if the war escalates your triple f which is food fuel and fertilizers they will go off the roof the same government will also have to provision enough elbow room if things go uh, go south how do we account for it what mm. are the sectors eventually where you reduce the expenditure mm. so it's a dynamic process okay. this this budget is only the policy intent of the government sure. which will keep changing sure. over the year dr mohammed see let's uh, he said one point about capex now that is good when your private investments are down i agree with him but what is the issue at this point the biggest issue sanket mm. is the price rise mm. is the unemployment now you the capex thing is not immediate it mm. will happen just like they said they're going to start smart cities mm. how many smart cities have come up mm. the question is none zilch 2022 farmer income double not happened so like you said there are promises now i as a person or people out there would have wanted your petrol price and diesel prices to have gone down because you are buying 30% discounted oil from you uh, from russia mm. that is what is happening the reliance industries are refining it and exporting it why don't you give it back to the people that is one the other thing is the gst the indirect tax which is as we know the oxfam report said that 1% holds more than 50% of the wealth and the 50% of our people pay 64% of the gst mm. whereas these people the rich only pay 3% so my thing is that if the gst on all those uh, 5% gst on food if it was made zero mm. many things which are 18% like sharpeners pencils you know which education with children you you put it down all these are important things that the gst mm. is controlled which you haven't and there's nothing much on health and farmers that's the other one where i didn't see anything now for example pradhan mantri fasal beam yojana last year 
2022-23 was 15,500 crore. This time it is 13,625 crore, down by 12 percent. The other one, Rashtriya Krishi Vikas Yojana, 10,433 crore, is this year 7,050 crore. Mm. And the most important after COVID, what did we see? Manrega. Manrega, which they criticized a lot, worked for the poor very well. During that, COVID. During COVID yeah. and even after COVID. Mm. You know, it's still working very well. But what do we see from 73,000 crore, it's gone down to 60,000 crore. Mm. So this is what my thing is. It is all good to have a vision of CAPEX and all those are very good. But at this time, India is reeling under unemployment price rise, which you need to look into. And Manrega so that, is so the... So that, that buffer was very important. And also the tax, which I, I want to put... Can I just tell yeah, us sure. that, that you talked about that mm. 7 lakh, about 7 lakh I mean, up to seven lakh, you don't need to pay tax. But the old thing, what you had is you had exemptions mm. in LIC. You had exemptions with the rentals. You had exemptions with the pension, which you will not have. So remember, that is Indians don't have something called social security. Mm. Now, that social security will go with this because when you go to the new regime, you don't get that. And the other thing is the new regime of uh, the starting 20, 2020. Why doesn't the government give us the data on how many people have shifted from the old to the new? Okay. That means it shows I'll, that it's I'll doing. Come I'll come to you. You can you can perhaps explain yeah, and rebut whatever uh, Dr. Mohammed has said. But Riju Datta, very interestingly, Manrega was mentioned by Dr. Mohammed. And my question to you is uh, on the Rural Employment Guarantee Act. The West Bengal government is in a state of war, I would say, with the central government over the release of Manrega funds. Right At a time like this, those funds have been, the allocation has been reduced. Now, in all fairness, one must also acknowledge that last time, while the budgeted amount was 73,000 crores, it was revised to 89,400 crores. But this time around, the budgeted amount itself has gone down by 13,000 crores. I don't know how much it will be revised to. But in absolute terms, the budget estimate has been reduced. Do you think that the need for Manrega is over on the ground? See, Sanket, uh, let me be very blunt about it. In India, 70% of India is rural. And India is still a predominantly agriculture-based country. And in both the sectors, in Manrega as well as agriculture, there is no benefit in this budget. In Kisan, if you want to do something for the farmers, you could have fixed the MSP, but you have overlooked it completely by giving this uh, cock and bull story about capex and everything. This entire budget is in future tense. Hoga karenge. But what are you doing now? What will happen to India in 35, 47, 57? Fair enough, we will look into it. But what are you doing in 2023? And the Manrega, you revised the budget in Manrega during COVID because it was the only way for people to survive in rural India, which, which makes up 70% of India. And now you are saying it's a demand-based thing. Its demand has gone down. But if the demand has gone down for Manrega, have you provided employment? Have you given 16 crore jobs? You are, you are making for uh, four years seventy weeks. There are no jobs also in the government sector. So how will people sustain? It is the fundamental duty of the central government to provide government jobs to the youth of this country. So there is nothing for the youth, nothing for the farmers, nothing for the middle class. It, this budget is a opportunist budget rather than a futuristic budget. And it is only for the rich and by the rich. Okay. There is nothing but the sure. middle class. Okay. Uh, Rajat Sethi, your response first to Dr. Shama Mohammed and then Riju Datta. Yeah, I think the He's common... Sp he speaks about uh, the, the Manrega cut. She's talking about other issues as well. Yeah. So I've noted these points down. Mm. Uh, first point, which is the biggest elephant in the room, is Manrega. Mm. So let me address that. Uh, if you look at uh, various analysis that have come around Manrega, the allocation has gone down. But the trend line that the BJP government here has maintained is that Manrega-based allocation cannot be the foundational uh, uh, scheme of growing India. This is not aspirational scheme. This is not something which it can be a makeshift solution. It is still a core of the no, core no, scheme no, for no, the government. The, those are, they don't go by the theoretical hmm. classification of sectors. The hmm. government's intent shows what is core. Hmm. The but core is judged right now. Yeah, so no, I'll, I'll explain, ma'am. You, you Manriga, need it right now. Yeah, so it's essential for the core. Well, what has happened is, see, look at Manriga. Between two uh, growing cycles, whenever the agricultural labor is free, they ask for jobs, Manriga jobs and all. And that is where, where you provide these Manriga jobs. Essentially, what has happened is, and I've worked with several state governments also, and I can tell you the demand for Manriga jobs has also come down, number one. I don't number two, what has happened is there are other no, 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 schemes no, no, which are in the rural areas. Mm. For example, uh, the Jal Jeevan scheme. 
pipes have to be laid down, holes have to be dug in, there the allocation has gone up. It is the same agricultural labor which should be deployed there to do that same work. Then look at Can Kavas Yojana. Over there as yeah, well. One, one moment. That's also a rural scheme, by the way. Who is going to build those houses? You require masons which are based in the urban masons are not going to go to rural areas to build those. So essentially, you're moving those labor and focusing them on building more productive assets instead of, as you said in Hindi channel also, that scheme has been, you know, that focus has been shifted and diverted. That, by the way, the but, Prime Minister said. But, no, no, of but, course, and that has and, been the intent. And, and this and, is why there has to be tapering of this scheme hmm. eventually. Why the GST on 5% on this food? What about the petrol price and diesel? Yes, oh about 1,000. You know, when we were leaving, it was for 24. Now, $80 a barrel, $86 a barrel last year. Why are you not? Milk prices have gone up. And also, no, no, one last point. 7% is what they predict, isn't it? The growth. Now I'm asking six the to co- 6.8. No, but the, in the budget speech it was seven. That is no, what I am. Economic service. Economic service. But what she said is seven percent. My question today, what my question is, when there is a recession predicted all over the world, how are they getting this figure? Is what my question. Is it another one of their facts going on? Okay. How did do they get this figure when the whole world let, is getting into recession? Him, no. Let's ask him. Do <laughs> that you is think- there. Uh, Allow basic question. space to yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. is bombarding by no, questions. No, no. I will, I am asking you. Look, I am looking at you. Talk about yeah. why the GST is not gone down. So, oh my my so question so is: How are continue. you so confident that this budget and uh, the, in your own admission, the fiscal prudence of this government will help you stay afloat or perform even better at a time when there is global right. recession fear? Right. So, uh, first things first. GST is not the subject area of a fiscal policy of the government of India. <laughs> GST belongs to the GST council. It's oh, a federal so structure. Please, I would it. request Dr. Shama Mohammed to request the Congress rule states and their finance minister to raise this voice in the GST council. It mm. is imprudent to talk about that topic in the talking that? budget. Uh-huh. It just does not make sense. That's point number one. Number two, around, uh, you know, you were talking about the growth numbers. Uh, let me tell you, when you look at investments and the investment intent of the government, you need to understand what are the priority areas where the money has, is going into, is flowing into, mm. and what are the multiplier effects you're going to have. Mm. There are multiple ways of spending, right? You could have spent it on uh, on a scheme like Mandriga, which will have very few multiplier mm. effects. As Dr. Montek Singh has also repeatedly mentioned, that if you put it into any of the social sector and, and look at the multiplier effect there, Versus the multiplier in infrastructure, it is always the multiplier in infrastructure which wins. Okay. So this is where you know you keep pressing the pedal onto the infrastructure, you will see results coming in terms of jobs, in, in, in terms of growth, and you will beat. And India's private consumption in economic survey says that it has gone up by 55 percent. Mm. That is a it's a gigantic number. Even if the uh, even if our exports slow down because of the global where turmoil, we mm. will stay afloat. No, where is we the money? He says afloat. it's gone up. I don't see any demand in no, the market. Man, That's just why. Numbers no, one, one, one more one more thing is no no he said about the GSC council you know that 80% of the power is with the way they have done it is with the central government yeah. of I'm course they can consensus. change the, there is no consensus happening there you can definitely change put down the GST milk prices just after budget by three you know how are children supposed to get nutrition what about the portion that also has gone down when we are 101 out of 116 in the global hunger hmm. index and the and the <laughs> you know below children Sri are not also. so where are we heading hmm. I mean what, what and nothing Come women on. got nothing in the labor force we are below women participation in the labor force we are below pakistan and the previous afghanistan government before the mm-hmm. taliban came in mm-hmm. so where are we heading so why, why are, where are we leadership. and you know you haven't told us about the portion thing quickly, quick. why one are we when okay. we are world Do- hunger index we are 101 so you asked that question let's he get in a reply he's not even yeah. replied about when, the petrol diesel mm-hmm. prices no, no, I'll come. Yes, you ask me so many questions. Yeah, you know, it looks like I'm in an center and my, <laughs> one, 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 I, I want my petrol, diesel, gas. Have have I have only one, one and a half minutes now. Yeah. See, uh, I'll go by one of the questions that she raised was around taxation. And, you know, the subsidy is not coming in the new tax regime. What the finance minister says here is that, you know, the uh, the faculties of our middle class is good enough to decide 
where to invest, what not to invest mm. in. You know, so far we've been incentivizing that please go and invest in the LIC and you will get budget receipts. Leave it to the people. Let them decide. But there is no social security there. There is no social security there. No, madam, there is. The other one, you get the exemptions. You have that money coming in. Here there is no social security. No social security schemes have been launched this time. No, no, no. You launched this the other old taxation regime. You have exemptions coming into you. There are no exemptions coming. This is what you said. I'll give you one and a half minutes and you everybody comes and how do I answer? Keep speaking, I'm looking at you. Okay, all right. <laughs> See, what has happened is that, you know, there is a definite nudge that the old tax re regime has to be eventually graduated out and the new and a simpler mm. tax regime has to be the mainstay. Mm. It will be less on subsidies, less on all these, you know, frivolous schemes which a common man doesn't even know that you can avail benefits out of that. Of course we Give know money it. in the hand of the I public. I know, I've been everybody all those exemptions. No, but then do you feel that the reason why these schemes came into existence was to provide that social net to the people? No, sir. This was all babudam. No, no, this you know, is budget for the rich. Your schemes. This is the budget for the rich. Budget for the rich, not for the poor and the middle class. Budget for the rich. Why haven't you increased the? Why have you not increased taxes? You saw the disparity by the Oxfam. You should discuss the Oxfam report. I think one percent has more than forty percent. In the very limited time that we have, in the Congress era, in the in that era, everybody was equal. You know, everybody used to earn equal money. What a glorious days! Why don't you get it back, madam? Yeah, we will get it back next year. At, at, at a time when there were no industrialists, there were no poor people, everybody was on that note. It was a finest commune. We used to live in a commune the then, half and everybody the was fight. the same. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. Joining us right now is Dr. Montek Singh Aluwalia, former Deputy Chairman of the Planning Commission and currently Distinguished Fellow, Centre for Social and Economic Progress. Thank you very much, Dr. Aluwalia. First of all, your impressions of Union Budget 2023. Well, now that the excitement about it has uh, gone down and all the details have been looked at, it's a good time to sit back and look at the big picture. I think as far as the big picture is concerned, Finance Minister touched on the right signal of sending a signal of return to fiscal normalcy. Because quite frankly, there was a justification earlier for a very high fiscal deficit. As we start recovering, I think the world would be looking to whether we are getting back to normal. So I think the decision to pitch the fiscal deficit in the current year, uh, about half a percent below uh, what it turned out to be, what, what was the RE uh, for 22-23, was the right decision. And I hope that it will, uh, they will stick to it. More important than the one-year reduction I think she gave an indication of what she proposes to do in the next two years. Because let's face it, a one-year correction was expected anyway. Because, you know, with the recovery from the pandemic and the withdrawal of some of the major subsidies, especially the free food subsidy, which was brought in specially uh, during the pandemic, uh, there was going to be a significant saving. And that saving has more or less got reflected in the lower fiscal deficit. But our fiscal position is much more strained than that. And it was necessary to give a signal that you're going to reduce the fiscal deficit over the next two years, hopefully below 4.5% or so. That's going to be tough because I think getting it down to 5.9 in the current year was difficult enough. Getting it down below 4.5 in the next two years is going to be more difficult. But I think she's given the right signal, and we have to see how the budget will turn out. Most people asking the question, is the government of India working towards fiscal responsibility, uh, would come to the conclusion that it is. So that part is good. The other thing which I think is good is that within expenditure, there's a focus on capital investment. Now, you know, she had a choice. I mean, many people would have said there are other areas we should push. Uh, but for my, for my preference, at this point, uh, giving a thrust to capital investment and infrastructure is the right thing. Again, the critical thing is, will it get implemented? Because, you know, we have many examples of budgets which set the right direction. But then in implementation, uh, things don't work out the way they should. But that's something to be seen in the course of the year. 
as far as the budget is concerned, it's saying the right thing. <clears throat> Dr. Aluwalia, you say implementation is equally important than allocation. Uh, what uh, would you say about the track record? Well, I haven't looked. I mean, I, look, I think on the last two, three years, there's no doubt that there's been a significant expansion. But, you know, during a period when the economy is down and there's a push towards a fiscal stimulus, it's a little bit easier uh, to get expansion done. Many of the many of the programs that were being proposed were in the nature of welfare programs. It was easy to achieve the objective. You're giving away grain free. That's relatively easy to do. I think in certain areas, particularly in the roads, uh, we've done a good job. I mean, the infrastructure build up in the last three or four years has been good. You know, in other areas, we've run into problems. I mean, for example, in railways, uh, the bullet train was a major initiative. I mean, originally even conceptualized in the previous government, formally approved in the current government, but actual implementation has been slower than expected because of the usual land acquisition problems. That's just one example. So I think we need to be careful to see that what we say we're going to do actually gets done. You know, one question that I've been meaning to ask you, Dr. Aluwalia, uh, is the fact that India so far uh, has not been affected as much as other nations are uh, in, in this you know, era of global recession fear. Do you feel that this budget can help escape or at least uh, limit the damage that a global recession can cause? Do you think we are headed I in think, the right direction? I think, I think it's a bit premature to say how we are faring because, let's face it, the global slowdown is expected in the year 23-24. I mean, you've just heard the IMF say that they're now projecting somewhat lower growth in the coming year than in the current year. So it's too early to tell, uh, to say that we have escaped. I mean, what we are saying is that we are going to grow at now, I think it's projected at 6.5%, which is a little more than what the IMF has projected. Uh, but we have to wait and see whether we achieve that 6.5%. So I think the how well we recover in the year 23-24 is not to be taken for granted just now. See, if you, if you look at the current year, 22-23. There's no doubt that we grew well in the first half of the year. What we're expected to achieve for the year as a whole, given what has been done in the first half, implies that in the second half, we're going to slow down. So I think I've seen various estimates that the expected growth in the second half of the current financial year may be less than 5%. So what the present projections are saying is that although we will enter the next year with a momentum which is below 5%, we will be able to expand that to go to 6.5%. Now, that 6.5% expansion is not going to be because we've given a fiscal stimulus, because compared to the previous year, there will actually be, and that's a correct thing, there will be a bit of a fiscal contraction. Mm. But nevertheless, uh, we are hoping that we will do well. Now, one critical thing here mm -hmm. is whether private investment will recover. Uh, there are reasons to believe that we've gone through a difficult time. Uh, there's some perking up of interest in private investment, but it's too early right now to judge whether private investment is really going to rebound. But in that sense, the, the push to the capital expenditure mm. is a good thing because I think it will it will create the right sort of stimulus mm. in the rest of the system. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of research which says that the uh, multiplier, if you like, of expanded investment in infrastructure is greater than the multiplier of other expenditure. Mm. So if you take these things into account, I don't rule out that we might grow at 6.5%, but I think it would be premature to judge that we are through just because that's our projection. Yeah. We are actually projecting a growth which is higher than the rest of the world is projecting for us. Now, it isn't the case that exports will make all the difference. Because so far, frankly, uh, our performance on exports has been less than what I would have liked to see. Mm. Service exports have done very well. And that's a great credit 
to the services industry, the high-tech industry, and so on. But goods exports have been slow. And other countries, Bangladesh, Vietnam, I think they've done better than India has. So again, maybe some of what we are now focusing on, ease of doing business, logistics, etc., will help. But we have to wait and see. It's not a foregone conclusion. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Aluwalia, for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. We also have with us Anita Bhatia, Deputy Executive Director of UN Coordination Partnerships, Resources and Sustainability. Anita Bhatia, uh, thank you very much for your time. How do you view the, uh, the Indian budget? So, um, first of all, I think it's really important to say that this looks like a really sound and sensible budget and which protects and builds India's very sound macroeconomic framework. And it's a budget which is going to help India to grow fast and keep inflation low. And uh, it supports the economy in becoming one of the fastest growing in the world, which is something that the IMF has already signaled. Uh, it's also very clearly a developmental budget because it tackles priorities that are good for India in the long term from the uh, increased investment in infrastructure to youth power to farming to pharmaceuticals from teachers to vaccinations. Now, our interest at UN Women is always to look at budgets from a gender lens and to see what is this doing for women and how is it supporting women to really become a uh, core and critical part of the path to economic recovery and to fulfilling the SDGs. So when we look at it from that lens, I see a couple of things that I think are worth highlighting. First, we like very much the emphasis on financial inclusion because there is a new scheme there to get women to save more. It's a two-year scheme, and we think that will be very helpful. Second, uh, you know, we have been supporting, as UN Women, the Ministry of Women and Child Development to do more on gender-responsive budgeting. So, you know, we've done some quick analysis of that, and I think what that shows is that the gender budgeting piece is actually now really taking hold in a way uh, that reflects the hard work that, you know, ministries and uh, the UN system have been doing to support it. And uh, what we note is that the gender analysis that we have been doing of the schemes of, you know, 15 ministries that didn't actually have gender budgets in the past, that's slowly beginning to change. Because three of the ministries whom we have engaged with, who previously didn't have gender budgets, where we think it's important that they do, now have gender budgets. And that's Ministry of Home Affairs, Tourism, and the Ministry of Petroleum and Natural Gas. So... Uh, we look at that and we look at how much uh, of a link there is to SDG targets. So I think overall, we are uh, happy with the push on the gender side. Mm. Uh, we'd like to see, of course, more being done because uh, while the capital expenditure increase will mm. absolutely have domino effects on the economy and mm. have domino effects for the welfare of women, mm. there are areas where there's even more investment needed, for example, in social services, because these education, health, uh, uh, you know, investments for building up, for example, the nursing workforce mm. have direct immediate impacts on the lives of women. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Anita Bhatia, uh, for those uh, views, that input. Let's see if uh, when, when budget revision happens, some of those views are accommodated. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. So the Manrega budget has been cut and uh, the outlay for certain schemes specific to the agriculture sector have also been cut. But overall, uh, many experts feel that uh, for the rural sector, the budget is not all that bad. What really is the correct assessment or how should one look at uh, what is there for rural India in this budget? I have with me Dr. Ashok Gulati, Infosys Chair, Professor Agriculture uh, at uh, ICRIER. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Gulati. Uh, first of all, sure. your views, Dr. Gulati, as far as uh, rural India is concerned, uh, does this budget have enough for rural India? Well, I would say uh, there is a reorientation in the support that is being given to rural India, including agriculture. And uh, uh, the, the biggest cut has been in the food subsidy, 
there was a saving of about uh, 90000 crores there uh, that extra that was being given during the covid period has been uh, uh, removed uh, so only 5 kilograms will be given though now free so there is a net saving of 90000 crores there on the fertilizer subsidy front there is another 50000 crore of uh, saving uh, because of the global conditions have come uh, to somewhere in grips uh, now on the energy and fertilizer front uh, manrega also has been cut and roughly 30000 crores or 29000 crores roughly uh, have been uh, saved on that front now this many people are viewing as a major cut in the rural allocations uh, i really don't consider that this is more a rationalization of the subsidies uh, but what you see is a massive increase in the pm awas yojana and uh, in rural particularly on the gramin front there is a major increase uh, in the rural uh, awas yojana and that is creating assets that will create employment that will create demand for steel and uh, cement and uh, give a shelter and dignity with uh, toilets and net uh, to the rural people uh, i think that's a big step forward in reorienting this subsidy culture to give a sort of an asset structure hmm. uh, because house is a permanent asset so that's something as uh, a commendable uh, way forward Dr Gulati let's uh, talk about these things one by one uh manrega first the budget mm-hmm. estimate for last year 2223 was 73000 crores this yeah. was then revised to 89400 crores in the revised estimate now sure. this year in the budget estimate it is 60000 crores a straight drop of 13000 crores Sure. I'm I'm pretty sure that this uh, may or may not be revised we do not know but what mm-hmm. do you think or what do you make of this cut of 13000 crore rupees in the manrega budget you know as the economy is opening up and now more or less fully opened up uh, then you have to think of those programs that can create more employment rather than manrega manrega is the last uh, you know fallback arrangement that if there is nothing in the system that can engage them then they fall back on manrega that is what the basic premise of manrega is if you can devise programs within the rural area for rural roads rural infrastructure rural markets and rural housing and you look at the allocation that is given to jal shakti especially the drinking water tap water going to rural areas everywhere so you see a significant jump in the rural awas and jal shakti those are the areas which are going to stay forever it's creating permanent structure and i think that is a much better option than the manrega type of programs while that is correct but dr gulati don't you feel i mean we spoke to a lot of manrega people who have been working in this field and uh, got reports also from the ground uh the need for a scheme like this and the dependence on a scheme like this has not really ended so when the government says that uh, you see this is a demand based scheme and there is no demand uh on the ground the reports suggest that first there will be no budget allocation then there will be no provision thus there will not be enough people uh, applying for it and thus it will give you an impression that uh, there is no demand and then you will leave, you will perhaps go for even smaller funds so are we starting yeah. you know starting this vicious cycle no but you are giving a narrative uh, what perception you have or some of your uh, other yeah, experts no this have. is this is sir what that, what i have uh, learned we, from some we, experts this is anti to yeah. uh, or anti rural anti this are not uh, subscribing to that at all hmm. i am very very happy that uh, subsidies like food uh, fertilizer and manrega are being rationalized to create assets in the rural area which will stay there for decades giving free uh, drinking uh, water uh, giving housing giving toilets giving rural roads that's the need of the hour and i would commend the finance minister on that front that instead of uh, giving revenues 
it is creating real infrastructure mm-hmm. in the economy and that should create employment which is much more productive so my narrative is on a different platform than what you are asking sure uh, or your indication sure so dr gulati uh, you say that uh, something like a manrega must be used as a last resort as a fallback option as a plan b uh, say for instance in a crisis plan situation c. like c c plan c <laughs> okay okay <laughs> Yeah, in a crisis situation like COVID, where That's the budget right. was increased, yes, and now it should sure. naturally dip. That's what you. That's it. Okay. That's what even food subsidy was. The COVID period it went up uh, dramatically, but now that period is. You over. think that 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 uh, uh, that support that is required from the government that period is over, particularly uh, in rural India, that now we can stop this dependence or wean yes. people off this yes. dependence. Yes, I think we don't want to create a culture where people keep getting free things for doing nothing. Mm. Okay, uh, we don't want that culture to develop in the economy. In fact, farmers had been complaining that because of you know Manrega and this free thing that we have been giving, uh, there is labor shortage for them. People don't want to work on the field because you have to work hard on the farm. Mm. This is a permanent. Uh, you know, uh, discussion point with the farmers. Mm. Uh, the best would be if FM can dovetail the Manrega activity on farmer land, so that farmer pays uh, 150 rupees and 150 rupees government pays through Manrega. But the system has to be organized that uh, work can be done on the farmers' fields, and then the cost of production uh, can come down, uh, and that will help uh, curtail your inflation, food inflation in the cost. So, just to recap, uh, you say the PM Awas Yojana uh, and the increased outlay uh, is going to create uh, or propel growth in the rural sector. Uh, you have uh, explained in great detail how. Apart from that, what do you see in this budget for the rural sector, which will be great, which will work great? On you the know, uh, let me say specifically for agriculture, because that largest yeah, agriculture yes. in the, uh, the rural sector is the agriculture part. She has announced some new schemes, the digital uh, infrastructure for the agriculture uh, sector as a whole, the accelerator program. Now, the exact allocations are not yet clear how much uh, will be spent on those, uh, some uh, natural farming and all that. You know, one thing we have to remember, we have to make our value chains in the agriculture sector much more efficient. And... Today, the digital economy where India has done excellent uh, overall, you look at the G20 countries and India in the digital world, that is our showcase. But in the rural economy, digitalization has been lagging behind. So putting that up front as one of the big steps, I would count that as a pretty positive, but the allocations are not yet known. Uh, the thought process is there and I hope the money will be spent. Accelerator program, that is where the innovations will take place. Hmm. Uh, so I count those as uh, major things. There is a focus on horticulture, uh, which is a high value product. That's where the wastages are the highest. Hmm. And if I can create, uh, you know, storage facilities, they have talked about cooperatives at the cooperative level, massive storage cap capacity is going to be created. If they can reduce the post-harvest losses in the economy, that is a much better option than producing more and then getting lost in the value chain. Mm. So building up that uh, entire infrastructure, uh, I would say is a step in the right direction. I'm pretty happy uh, that the direction in which it has moved in the agriculture side uh, instead of uh, giving more revenues, uh, they are trying to give more towards uh, infrastructure uh, of that sort. My only reservation has been mm-hmm. that uh, in the climate-resilient agriculture, you know, climate change is knocking on our doors. If there is again a heat wave in March and if India loses 5 million tons of wheat, uh, it will be a loss of like 10,000 crores. And the only answer to that is actually heavily investing in agriculture research to make our agriculture climate resilient. 
And that's where I think we need to double our expenditure on uh, research and innovation. Mm. Uh, there is a 9.7% increase in uh, agriculture, research and education, which is too little, I think. Mm. And that's where my worries are. And I would submit to the finance minister and the, because the long-term competitiveness of agriculture and sustainability of agriculture will depend upon how do we cope up with the emerging so climate So would you then suggest, uh, Dr. Gulati, my final question, would you then suggest the finance ministry to have a revised estimate or a revised outlay for uh, agricultural research as we go along? I, I would say minimum double it up because it's about 9,500 crores. Take it to 20,000 crores straight away. And the saving that you have made from fertilizer subsidy or food subsidy need to be put back within the agriculture sector. She has put back most of this saving. and uh, these new uh, little things that have been announced. But quite a part of that saving also has been siphoned away to, uh, you know, uh, railways and overall road construction in the economy Mm. and uh, also containing the fiscal deficit, which is fine. But this is a little, you know, 9,000 crores, 9,500 crores to 15 or 20,000 crores is not a big sum. This will pay... This is the biggest return it can give to agriculture sustainability given the climate change on our head. All right. Dr. Gulati, many thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for your view, sir. So Budget 2023 is here. We've all read about it. We've heard the speech. Now it's the time to decode that budget and who better to do that than the finance secretary of the country, Mr. T.V. Somnath. Thank you very much, sir, for joining us. You have, through the course of your press conferences, told us uh, why this budget is the way it is and what is right about it. I thought we'll take the next few moments to ask you uh, what many people are saying is wrong about the budget mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. may uh, have been done differently. Sure. And the first thing is, while there have been enhancements in the budget in some places, obviously the dynamics of the budget is you increase somewhere, you'll have to decrease from somewhere else. And the biggest bone of contention is the Mahatma Gandhi Rural Employment right. Guarantee Act. So why is it that the budget has been decreased by 13,000 crore rupees. Yeah. So let me explain. See, the National Rural Employment Guarantee Scheme is intended in its architecture, the way it's designed, the Act makes it a demand-based scheme. So you see, typically government schemes are of two kinds. Some are entitlements. So every farmer is entitled to 6,000 rupees under the PM Kisan program. Mm -hmm. Then there are programs where we create some asset. You build hospitals or you build clinics or you build schools. So there the objective of the scheme is that we will build 1,000 of these things. Mm. And then there is a budget for that. Mm. This, the National Rural Employment Guarantee is something a bit different. It's a demand-based scheme. Mm. It neither has an output target in terms of assets to be created, nor is it something that everybody gets automatically every year. Mm. It is something where if a person needs wage employment, they submit an application and they are employed. Mm. So the key to budgeting in, that's why budgeting for this scheme is very different from budgeting for other schemes. Mm. We are actually doing an estimation of demand. Mm -hmm. In other schemes, we are estimating what can be absorbed or how much we want to construct and how much that will cost. Or we are estimating how many beneficiaries are available and how much they need to be paid. But Mm. in this scheme, we have to actually estimate demand. In terms of demand estimation this year, There are two schemes whose budgets have increased very substantially, Mm. which operate in the same catchment area as the National Rural Employment Mm. Guarantee, namely the PM Awas Yojana Grameen Mm. and the Jal Jeevan Mission, which Mm. is the Rural Water Supply Mission. They also use typically the same kind of semi-skilled, unskilled labor that is used in the National Rural Employment Guarantee Scheme. And therefore, we expect that this approximately 40,000 crore extra of spending in the same areas as this scheme will lead to reduced demand for wage employment under the rural employment guarantee because people will actually get productive employment in the other government schemes. This is point number one. The second point is the economy today is reviving and is probably at the level that it was in 2019-20 or better. 
Therefore, also, you know, the safety net aspect of this scheme, I think, will be less salient this year than in the last two to three years. Mm. For this reason, also, there is likely to be a drop in demand. Okay. It is in line with that estimation that we've reduced the budget. But However, Steve, yeah. yeah, it Mr. is a demand-based scheme. And if the demand materializes, hmm. we remain open to... While, while I agree with your assessment, and you said that in your uh, previous interviews yeah. also... A lot of people who are working for the Manrega workers and reports from the ground, which NDTV has uh, yeah. you know, spoken to people, they say that this is a vicious cycle. There will be less money. States are saying that the center is not releasing money against the payments, uh, an ongoing dispute with, say, the West Bengal government. Then, uh, because there is no money, there will be uh, you know, no uh, job I creation. And thus, you will get an impression... Point. I think you will get an impression that there is no demand. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid there is another viewpoint mm. on this. Mm -hmm. There is the opposite viewpoint as mm -hmm. well. Since you brought it up, I'm bringing it mm -hmm. up. I don't know if you saw, there was a, a, a series of articles in not a government journal, in the Indian Express, mm -hmm. uh, about eight or nine months ago. I don't remember the exact time, mm -hmm. which reflected what was happening in one of the states. Again, I won't name the state. Mm -hmm. It is quite the opposite of what you were saying, mm. that if there is a budget, people were trying to estimate how much is available and create a number of beneficiaries exactly equal to what the budget was, mm. including enrolling people who didn't need employment, getting mm. their you know thumb impressions mm. and actually getting them benefits. And then after the DBT is done, taking back a portion of the benefits by the local uh, panchayat uh, mm. officials, etc. So mm. this can work both ways. Mm. This mm. issue of availability of funds can also create demand where there is no demand. Mm. And I'm not saying this lightly. Mm. I'm, we have internal reports, but I'm giving you an external source which you can verify. Sure, it's not a sure. government source. So sure. I think we have to have a balance here. We think we have estimated the demand. But mm. I will point to the fact that each of the last three years, we have increased the budget. At that the is true. In a revised the demand. Yeah. materializes. Yeah. So, the, the, there is a cut, yes, but that doesn't mean that it will not be increased. Okay. So, this is Manrega. Yeah. But then there are many other schemes where the budgets have been cut. As I told you, you have told us about the increase, where yes. all it has increased. Uh, I would mm -hmm. want to talk about what was the rationale behind decreasing where sure. it was decreased. I mean, so, uh, yeah, for instance, uh, the guarantee emergency credit line scheme for MSMEs. Yes. The MSME sector has still not revived no, by that, the government's own estimate. Way, that but your not, budget yes. has gone down this year by from 15,000 crores to 14,100, a dip of 900 crores. See, the emergency, that is, not, that is not something that in any way affects the MSME. That is an infusion of money into a corpus. Mm. The corpus is run by the National Credit Guarantee Trust Corporation. Mm. They estimate based on the level of bad debts, the amount of capital infusion they need. Okay. So we are giving them what they need <coughs> to maintain the scheme. So mm -hmm. this, this is not going to affect the beneficiary of the scheme in any manner. It is basically a capital adequacy calculation. It is something between us and the Credit Guarantee mm. Trust Corporation. Mm. I can assure you they are fully funded to meet the obligations. Okay. But Mr. Finan fully yeah, Mr. Finance Secretary, you see uh, uh, many things related to the uh, agriculture sector mm -hmm. also. For instance, the Pradhan Mantri Krishi Sechai Yojana. The budget uh, last year was 12,954 crores. This year it has been reduced. Why yeah, is so, that so? Yes, there are changes in individual schemes within the agriculture sector. But the thing that I would point out mm. is that in the agriculture and allied activity sector as a whole, mm. the budget has gone up. So mm. there are schemes which are down and schemes which are up. Mm. But agricultural and allied activities, excluding the PM Kisan program, okay. has actually increased. And this figure is reflected in the budget at a glance publicly mm -hmm. available mm -hmm. statement. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a copy there on my sure, table sure. where it has actually gone up. However, the reason some people are seeing a decline is because in the PM Kisan program, there is a decline of approximately 7,000 crores. Okay. Now, why has this happened? Mm -hmm. We footnoted this in the fine print, but it is visible. It's in the public document. Mm -hmm. There was an updating of the beneficiary database because the program is now, I think, four years old. Mm -hmm. So they did a comprehensive update of the beneficiary database. They found some cases of persons who had left, who had become income taxpayers, mm -hmm. who were found in the beneficiary database in more than one place. They're entitled to it only in mm -hmm. one uh, place. So the cleaning up of the database, which was done, has resulted in an approximately 10% reduction in the number of eligible names. Mm -hmm. So we continue to fund it fully for everybody who's eligible, mm -hmm. and that is a saving that has come from a database mm -hmm. reassessment. Sure. It's not a reduction in benefits to any eligible mm -hmm. person. Okay. Uh, I continue with the uh, reductions. Uh, 
the Ministry of uh, Minority Affairs. Uh, the budget estimate for 22-23 was 5020 crores. For 23-24 yes. is 3097 crores. Uh, and the list goes on. For instance, the skill development uh, for, for minorities, the budget was 491 crores. Uh, it was then, uh, in 23-24, it has been reduced to 64 crores. In respect of the Ministry of Minority Affairs, mm. what you're saying is factually correct. Okay. I, I don't uh, dispute those numbers. Mm. The Ministry of Minority Affairs is going through a restructuring and rationalization of the schemes relating to its, to all the schemes of the ministry. Mm. So they are in the middle of that rationalization and they have indicated a requirement for existing schemes in the numbers that you have indicated. Okay. Our impression is that when they finish this rationalization, they are actually rejigging some of the entitlements, okay. moving some of the, you know, changing the nature of the scholarship. There are a number of things they are doing. Mm -hmm. I'm not fully familiar with mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. The indication I have is that when they have finished with the rationalization, they'll come back to us with a revised requirement okay. under the new structure of schemes that they are evolving. So you're this is my impression. May, you are saying that in a revised estimate, this may grow. This may grow. Okay. And this will, this, what I can say is yeah. this is the based on the requests we have received from them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about food subsidy, uh, yes. you know, a very important scheme, which was mm. important. It, uh, yes. I believe, still continues. Uh, budget 2022 uh, and 23, 2,6,831 yes. crores, reduced to 1,97,350 crores. Do you feel the problem is over because of which you have decreased the this decrease, food subsidy? Uh, does Again... In the food subsidy too, the decrease has no effect whatsoever on the beneficiary or consumer. This is between us, the food corporation, and the procurement agencies. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons for the decline is the interest burden on the food corporation has gone down because mm -hmm. we have paid off a number of their old off-budget borrowings. Mm -hmm. So the food subsidy is an amalgam of the difference between the, uh, I mean, the cost subsidy. of the MSP, mm -hmm. the cost of transportation, mm -hmm. the interest costs borne by the FCI. So mm -hmm. it's an amalgam of many factors. Mm -hmm. This merely reflects a reduction in some of those costs, particularly interest, okay. because we've discharged many of their old off-budget borrowings. Sure. Uh, Department for Agriculture and Farmers Welfare, uh, last year 1,24,000, this year 1,15,000. I mean, it's a this marginal I've already explained. If yeah. you move the PM Kisan, it increases. Mm -hmm. But with the PM Kisan, there's that marginal mm -hmm. decrease. And then the big two, health and education. Mm -hmm. For the uh, National Health Mission, it was 37,165 crores. This year, it is 36,785. Again, you are not looking at the health budget. You are looking at a component of the health budget. Hmm. The aggregate health budget has increased. Now, okay. if you pick and choose individual hmm. schemes within the budget, hmm. some will go up and some will hmm. go down each year. The aggregate health budget is up by about 1,000 crores. Sure. Mr. Finance Secretary, thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank, thank you. you.